too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling as vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Podcast, the Michael Jordan episode. I'm Greg McAfee. I'm here with Greg Malik and Dre Fry. Boys. So this is the first time we've recorded in back to back weeks in a long time. How does it feel? Yeah. Guys? You guys you guys excited to be back? Like we're getting back to this consistent thing. It's it's nice. It's yeah, a playoff push. Yeah, it's nice that Dre's actually available to record for once. It's kind of nice. Right, right. The guys, a week doesn't go by anymore where Dre's like, <laughs> all right, I need 10 more minutes. Guys, I can't go yet. I need 10 more minutes. Or, uh, guys, I have this coming up, and then, like, last minute. Oh, no, never mind. It, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So uh, I'm good to go now. Yeah, it, for, some it, behind the scenes, for some behind-the-scenes stuff about this podcast, normally, like, if one of us has to – you know, reschedule or we might have to push the time or something. We give, we give each other like a very, very good heads up, like maybe a week in advance or kind of like, you know, morning up, we'll be like, all right, let's record a certain time. But no, yeah, one third of us likes to tell us at like, maybe like 10 minute. minutes before we, <laughs> at like 10 minutes before we record, it's just like, Oh, can't go. In, in my defense, I can't give you, I can't give you a proper heads up unless, you know, duty calls. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, like I, like a couple of weeks ago, I, Dre was like, "I got to pack." Malik's like, and Malik's going on vacation tomorrow. He's like, "Yeah, I can pack in like ten minutes. I'll be good. I'm gonna sacrifice it for the pod." Dre's like, "No, I need like an entire night to pack, guys." Yeah, because I'm actually committed to my craft, unlike some people. <laughs> it was it was my it was my all star break slash IL stand. I mean, there's nothing I could do about that either. You know, you gotta get healthy. But now no, we're healthy. Awesome. We're back. Bro, your all star break your all star break made us miss a whole month of recording. <laughs> we did miss some hot stove talk, which in the end wasn't really all that hot. It was more like lukewarm when you got to the deadline. So uh, it would have been nice to you know cir- circumvent the rumors because there were a lot of them. But you know, I, I feel like last week we touched on a lot of good points regarding the whole trade deadline situation, regarding the teams that have bought, the teams that have sold, teams that really just stood pat, which was. Uh, an alarming amount uh but bottom line is you know after recording last week for the first time in uh weeks it felt like months uh i thought it was i thought it was a good i thought it was good banter good typical baseball heart of the order banter. oh for sure one thing one thing guys that we we didn't talk about last week because it was so trade deadline trade deadline heavy focus but we didn't talk about the home run derby and i think it, it's something that even though it's you know I don't know how many weeks after the All-Star game and after the Home Run Derby. But what did you think of it? I mean, that was, like, ridiculous. Now, it, was, can I, it is absolute bull crap that Vladdy Guerrero Jr. got robbed of the Home Run Derby right? because Pete Alonso got to use less <laughs> less time. Right. It is such bullshit. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's the perfect way to describe it. I, myself, I'm a big fan of the Derby. Uh, I, it's one of my it's one of my favorite events of the summer. I will say this to me: this derby absolutely rivaled. Oh, it was I'm not so much put better. It, I'm not I'm not going to put it above it. I'm not going to put it. I'm I'm not going to put it slightly below. I'm just say like you know compare and contrast the two. 
It rivaled the 2016 NBA dunk contest with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, where Aaron Gordon went double in between the legs. They both were throwing up 50s uh, out the wazoo. You know, Vlad Guerrero put on an absolute show. A lot of these guys did. Acuna, you know, he he slammed 25 bombs. Even Josh Bell at the end there, who got a bad draw with Acuna, uh, he started turning on a bit. You know, he knocked out the fourth most, I believe. Like, it, it was awesome. But Vlad, Vladdy and Jock, that, that round was absolutely insane. Got oh, a yeah. sudden death, like quadruple overtime. Uh, I, nothing like There was nothing like it. It was insane. I was out, out of my seat, Sharon. It was nuts. Oh, it was I was awesome. I was going wild. I was going wild watching the game. I was tweeting. I was I was going crazy. I mean, because you, I don't think you see you, like we haven't seen something like that in a while. Like, not only was were they was pretty much everyone hitting bombs, but it was just the the excitement of it. I mean, Vladdy Guerrero was hitting the freaking scoreboard in left field. I mean, it's it's just stuff like that that makes a game so so exciting, or makes an event like that so exciting, especially with a young kid like Vladdy doing what he was doing. Yeah. You could tell that almost every single one was trying, just for the fact of the million dollar grand prize, especially yeah. because you had guys in there that weren't making a million dollars in that season. So it was definitely something to fight over, and I think it showed in the competition that it was definitely something that these guys were trying to sink their teeth into and trying to just crush ball for trying to get that prize. And I, I think that made it way more exciting than what it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. Vlad, Vlad finished with 91 home runs total. That is how he didn't win is absolute mind boggling. Mind boggling. It is astronomical. You know, Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo, he did his thing. You know, I'm a big Pete guy. Uh, the polar bear, he came and showed out, you know, but he got luck of the draw. He got lucky, man. He got luck of the draw, and there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, I personally, I blame Major League Baseball for not reseeding because if they would have reseeded, Pete Alonzo would have had a tougher draw. And it might have been Alonzo and Vlad in the end, you know, uh, again for the championship. I, no, actually, actually, they would have faced off in the first round if they would have reseeded because Vlad was eight, Alonzo was two. And Chapman ended up being one when Yelich uh, suddenly just withdrew a day, a, two days in advance, you know, two days before. And all, there was plenty of time to reseed that home run totals. I, I did that was the biggest thing that I didn't really understand about that situation. Yeah, but in the end, Alonzo won the Derby. Vlad Jr. definitely won the night, and we've been talking about this dude's power forever. And that was the coming out party because ever since then he's been on an absolute tear. Oh yeah, and I mean we'll 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 get to the how the future is bright for the Toronto Blue Jays here later in the podcast, um, and we're gonna talk about a couple a couple other more teams where you know the they might not be contending right now, but you know down the line in the future they're gonna they're gonna be a team that is there's gonna be teams that are gonna be contending that aren't right now. We're gonna, we're gonna hit on that a little bit later in the podcast. For right now, we got to get to um, a segment that we like to do pretty much every podcast. And we didn't get to do it last week because there was so much to talk about after taking such a long break off. And that is our favorite moment of the week. I need to get like some music. So when I say favorite moment of the week, it's like or something like that. Um, just make like, more. Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, something more, yeah. Something more exciting <laughs> like that. I got I to, gotta, you know, put some put some audio effects in there. Um, but the favorite moment of the week. Um, we do it pretty much every podcast. Each one of us gives a, our favorite moment um, from around baseball or, you know, college baseball or something. 
pretty much revolving around the sport. Um, this week, guys, I would like to go first just because I know one of you guys might take this. I take this event or not this event, this play, um, because it's pretty interesting. We've talked about something that has to deal with it um, in the past podcast before. But last week, a day after we, re- we recorded, um, actually, I'll give it a little background. Um, in past podcasts, we've talked about um, MLB organizations extending um, the, the the netting all the way down um, the all the way down the baselines, all the way pretty much into the corner um, to protect to protect fans from foul balls and things like that. And when we talked about this in the past, I never really thought about a player. <clears throat> a player using the netting to their advantage. And in last week's game, the Chicago White Sox were facing off with the New York Mets, and Jeff McNeil was playing right field, and he chased down a foul ball, caught it, and literally couldn't stop himself from, you know, going over the wall. So he jumped into the foul netting and, like, bounced off it like it was a trampoline. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen, but it was also pretty smart on his part, you know, to not have to stop himself and just use the netting to his advantage. Did yeah, weirdly and en- weirdly enough, this actually might be a hidden benefit about the new yeah. netting rules that you're not going to see guys try to leap into stands anymore to try to get foul balls anymore. It's essentially once you hit the netting, you're done. Yeah, I mean he he caught the he caught the ball, but he like used it. He used the netting so he didn't have to stop himself. He could just like jump into the netting, and it pretty much just like bounced him right back out. That's actually brilliant. And yeah. I mean, that that's going to become a hidden effect that actually might save some careers going forward and not see any dangerous plays go into it anymore. Yeah, I mean, because you, you see guys all the time that are just like launching themselves into the stands to catch balls. I mean, one that comes to mind is Derek Jeter. Um, I think it was in 03 when they were going up against the Red Sox and he like launched himself into um, the stands at Yankee Stadium in like a, I think it was a 17, 18 inning game and he came out, he had to come out of the game, his eye was all cut up from the stands and that's just one that, you know, that comes to mind but I think I thought it was pretty cool, pretty um, intuitive of how McNeil kind of used the, used the netting like that. It was a pretty interesting play. Yeah, it definitely was and uh, I guess my only fear regarding that is the fact that hopefully the netting holds yeah. uh, with some of these bigger guys out I mean, there. Yeah, like, true, true. Aaron Judge, like Aaron Judge crashing into the netting would be ridiculous and scary, especially if you're sitting there because he's a big boy. Yeah, he is. He's a big boy. <laughs> Dre, Malik, any, uh, either one of you guys want to go next? Well, I have two, so Malik can go. Uh, if he takes one, I have the other one. One there is very go. small. One is very small, but the other one is more so my moment of the week. So after you, Malik. All right, thank you. Uh, This one I feel like was very, very clear and obvious uh, when I first heard it. Uh, Miami Marlins, an organization that hasn't had too much success this year, uh, was finally able to see something uh, on the brighter note to maybe look at their future to come up eventually to lead the charge. But uh, Isan Diaz, uh, a shortstop that the Miami Marlins got in the Christian Yelich trade, uh, the one bright spot of that trade that could have that should have been Lewis Brinson, but it's been a disappointment. But Isan Diaz was called up this week uh, to finally take over for the struggling Starling Castro uh, and be a shortstop for the Miami Marlins. Uh, this past week, while being while his dad was being interviewed in Marlins Park, Isan Diaz hit his first career home run against Jacob Degrom. The reaction that his dad gave while seeing his son hit a home run off of a Cy Young winner 
was something that makes you smile as a baseball oh, yeah. fan because that is a proud dad watching his son play in the majors and actually doing something against probably the one of the most lethal pitchers you will ever see in baseball. So a very cool moment for the Diaz family and it is definitely something that not just Isan will never forget, but neither will his dad. That that was that was a pretty funny interview, and it's like the the dad was like, we we just we just hit a home run off of Cy Young winner, like we just we just hit that home run, and that's that's a cool thing to like kind of cool thing to see, cool thing to hear, um when you see a dad kind of share a moment like that with a son because it kind of shows you know all the hard work that kind of goes into something like that, and to see it kind of pay off in a moment like that when he's getting interviewed, watching his son play, you know what I mean. Um, and I thought it, I thought it was pretty interesting, pretty funny as well to see his type of reaction, how he jumped up and kind of you know threw his hands up in the air, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that was uh, it's moments like that as to why you really love baseball, mm-hmm. uh, just because again uh, the work you put in, uh, the work you put in with your son as a father, you know uh, the the long the long day the long days uh, long nights. You know, and everything, the traveling, you know, whatever it takes. Because baseball's a baseball's a long year round. It could be year round sport in the training, and it's very hard to make it in the major league baseball. When it finally happens, you know, as a dad and as a player, you know, you feel you feel accomplished. Like this is it. I'm here, and it's kind of like just everything you put your work in for. And as it's as it's literally as the story's unfolding and you're telling the story, you see your son hit a homer off Cy Young. Like that to me, that's incredible. And it's again, things like that. Why baseball's just continues to be awesome. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. I mean, those are the special moments that you like to see that you like to, they kind of show, you know, what the sport is. Dre. Yes. All right. So like I said, I have two, I'll start with the minor one first. I, Honestly, just found this out today. Wait, uh, I have I have one more question. Sorry. Whatever happened to Starling Castro? I would Rand, argue Rand, very that very hit. random. I know, but like I, you mentioned his name, and I was like just thinking to my, like he was used to be one of the best prospects in baseball, and then he just like jumped off a cliff, pretty much. I think yeah. him. I, I think after he kind of wore himself out in the Cubs. Um, organization uh-huh. that he ended up getting bounced to um i believe he he went to he went the to yankees, the yankees sure. yeah yeah he went to the yankees and then i'm pretty sure he went to the marlins after that unless i'm forgetting yeah. to stop in between hey. but no this is a guy that a, a lot of people saw superstar potential in, and he just didn't live up to the hype yeah. uh you could say if it's his own doing if it's the attitude that he always had when he played or anything like that but he just hasn't lived he never lived up to the potential that we thought he could be and i don't necessarily blame him because i feel like the expectations were so high from the beginning like he was you could argue he was the cubs first you know legit superstar prospect when you're in their downturn i feel like having to carry that burden for the beginning part of his career kind of was not necessarily the best thing for him Mm -hmm. yeah and when he was there in chicago uh the talk was what are you going to do with Javi Baez? do you trade him because you have Sterling Castro, you know, and uh, I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was him starting to slump. But when Javi took over, everyone saw the excitement. And then Castro just got casted off. And like you said, New York, now Miami. And he's just here batting 250. And it he has nine home runs on the year. And it, See, I thought it, it was more... 
See, I thought it was more about Addison Russell than it was Javi Baez. Yeah, I thought Javi was all. Yeah, I thought Javi was always going to be the second baseman, and then Castro would be the shortstop. But Addison Russell was the one who was pushing for it. Yeah, it was. Well, uh, Castro wasn't short, but when they traded Samarjo to get Russell, uh, the question became, what, "What do you do with Javi?" Because Castro was going to shift from short over to second because Addison Russell. Uh, he was at the time the number one prospect in major league baseball and he was regarded as one of the most highly touted shortstop prospects in recent memory so uh they try i believe they experimented with hobby not only at third but also in like center field and couldn't really find a position for him but then again castro just started to kind of slump to where you know uh hobby was able to get an opportunity just hit the ground running because again with addison russell and the shortstop position, the number one thing there that you want is defense. If you get any type of offense out of your shortstop, it's not an absolute bonus. But uh, we all see how that unfolded with Russell, and Javi is now a superstar, and Castro is still in Major League Baseball, but yeah, he's just uh, he's just not doing well down in Miami. Yeah, weirdly enough, I, I love the idea that shortstops have to be these great defensive whizzes, which most of the time they are. But normally the shortstops that are also the really good hitters are the guys that you look at as superstars because oh, like they have because of the, because they are the guys that you look at that have the all around game and they're kind of like they're looked at so fondly with it. So it, that's an interesting take on it that like every shortstop has to be good defensively, but the ones that ha- are lucky enough to be good hitters are the ones that end up becoming superstars. I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the there's names that I mean come to mind. Like Troy Tulowitzki is one of those guys. Like he had a he had a gold glove and a cannon arm, but he could also hit the ball. And uh-huh. then and then you have I mean guys like fucking Derek Jeter could hit the ball, great glove. But then Nomar. 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 Um, but like, I, I just love a rod, a rod is another one that well, like when he, when he was younger, he was so good just because he, he, like he had that, he had that like, uh, slim frame, if you know what I mean? Like he wasn't as, he wasn't as heavy as he was later in his career and he was just so smooth, um, at, at the shortstop position. He played great, great defense. I mean, he could also hit the ball, but then I, I love seeing the guys who have, who have that, that special glove. Um, at the shortstop position, like I mean, obviously, Omar Vizquel is one of the first guys that come to my mind. Just watching him transfer the ball from his glove to his hand is like freaking magic, dude. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's effortless. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's absolutely effortless. Brings a tear to your eyes. Too, sometimes, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right, sorry, sorry <laughs> about the tangent, Dre. Um, let's get back to your favorite moment of the week. I just was like, I heard Malik say starting Castro's name, and I was like, wait a second, like. Oh, if anyone <laughs> if anyone can appreciate a good tangent rain, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so so favorite moments of the week. Uh the smaller one. Uh again, just found out today. So today is Sidney Crosby's Sidney Crosby's birthday. Yes, yes. Eight seven eighty seven. What I did not know until I found out as I was watching the Pirates on ESPN is that it's also Mike Trout's birthday. Hey. You got That's two funny. goats and two sports in this current day and age born on the same day. Wait, is per- 8787, is that why he wears 87? Yes, and his contract uh, average annual value for Sidney Crosby is $8.7 million. That's so fucking weird. He's extremely superstitious. <laughs> to say yeah, so, it's, it's, well, it's, it's legit. I also I also read a, or not read a story, but saw something today that he's worn the same jock strap since he was like 14. That's gross, and I did not know that, but yeah, that, that also dangerous. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just I don't, don't know if I like Sidney Crosby anymore, guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, dude, hockey players yeah. are the most. Hockey players are super <laughs> suspicious, man. Oh, I, I I feel like baseball players are the most superstitious players. Yeah, they. they uh, I don't know. Football has their superstitions too. It's weird. Guys are real weird when it comes to stuff like that in sports. Like you hear stories like that, and again with Sid, eight seven eighty seven is the one. But my my whole focus was more so regarding Mike Trout. Yeah. Like, I did not know this dude's birthday was today, and we sit here at age 28. He is one of four players to have 200 homers and 150-plus stolen bases with Daryl Strawberry through age 27 season with Daryl Strawberry. Uh, and, unfortunately, I can't remember the other two. So Good uh, job, yeah, Dre. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'm sorry. There were, I, I think Cal, not Cal Ripken. It can't be. I think Mickey it's Bond, Mantle. I, it's not Mantle. I think it's Bonds and uh, – a rod, I want to say a rod. But anyways, that's my small moment of the week. My bigger moment of the week happened last week, and uh, we're sitting. I'm sitting there, you know, scrolling through Twitter, and the Philadelphia Phillies uh, game is in the top of the 14th inning, and there's a position player on the mound. <laughs> He's and what's wild about this is when you get late in the games, you sit there and you run out of pitchers. But in left field, as there's a shot hitting the left field, is a pitcher, Vince Velasquez, out there fielding balls. Uh, the White Sox hitter scorches one in the left field, and Velasquez throws out a dude from left field all the way to home plate <laughs> to save the to keep the game tied in the 14th. Absolutely incredible. A guy who's a pitcher threw an absolute strike to home plate, one hopper. Watching it right now, and you sit there like, why isn't this dude on the mound? Uh, just wild, you know. And again, you talk about baseball and what's amazing. Like that's just another weird, crazy occurrence that can only happen in baseball. Funniest thing. Wasn't there something? Wasn't there something that happened where the where a uh, where an, a, a position player pitched a game and they ended up getting a save? Yeah, yeah that yeah, happened. That happened this year. I think that happened this year. Chris Davis has done it before, hasn't he? Uh, I'm not sure. There, no, it, yeah, actually got a save. It was. I, oh, maybe it wasn't. A, maybe he didn't get. A, there was a guy for the Orioles that pitched this year though and got a save. I'm pretty sure. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, that's the I one. I can't remember who remember. the player. I can't remember who the player was, but Steve, Stevie Wilkerson. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah. He became the first Major League Baseball player, position player, to earn a save. He got in the. He got in the 16th inning. Yep. Uh, and he threw a perfect inning to win the game. His average velocity, <laughs> his average velocity was fifty four point three miles per hour. <laughs> and the guy, he was throwing like guy, he was throwing like knuckleballs. And, and the guy he got out, Albert Pujols. Yeah, I was just going to say game. that he struck out Albert Pujols. <laughs> oh, well, that's he struck funny. out a Hall of Famer. He gets the save. Poor, poor Albert, man. <laughs> poor Albert. But I mean, when uh, when a guy's throwing a knuckleball, like it's hard because you got to be patient with a knuckleball because he's not gonna hit the strike zone every pitch, and then you just end up swinging and just end up popping it out. It's literally the well, worst pitch. The, well, what's the rule that I've always learned about uh, knuckleballs? It's uh, when it's when it's high, let it fly, right. and when it's low, let it go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My my one of my friends in in high school used to throw like a knuckle curve, and the thing was just nasty. Um, and he'd just get people out. It was great. It was awesome. It was great. Yeah. I mean, it was a bad story, guys, but it was just, you know, 
Just throwing it in there. <laughs> Adding a little color. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, guys, favorite moment of the week was that. Roman Quinn, that was the, pit, that was the position player who uh, threw the ball from the mound and then Vince Velasquez guns out. Uh, the runner who was rounding second uh, going home in the top of the 14th. Yeah. Good moment. Good moment. Good moments of the week, guys. Like always, it's exciting to see kind of those, you know, those unique moments um, throughout baseball every week. Um, but now we kind of want to get into last week. We kind of touched on a couple different teams and kind of just what moves they made at the deadline, things like that. Um, and we're, I guess we're going to get into uh, kind of how those moves are, are paying off so far. Um, some have started to pay off before they even happened. Um, but just teams that are around the MLB that are streaking. And one of the first teams that kind of we – I don't do you guys just want to each one of us gives a team or do you want to just talk about the teams we kind of listed in the pre-production meeting? Let's talk about uh, the teams we listed. I, I, I think that would be a little more – Okay. Better because we can each give our takes. It'll be quick hits too. Okay. So the yeah. the first the first one we want to talk about is the New York Mets guys. Um, they've won thirteen of the last fourteen games. Did anyone see this run coming from them? Because they were like dead in the water. The not after the epic rant that Dre went on last month <laughs> after uh, after Mickey Calloway and Jason Vargas almost got into they a were they were dead with a reporter Dre they were dead they were right dead. they were dead right Dre. <laughs> They were they were so dead, and like the Undertaker just resurrected themselves <laughs> from the dead, and they're now running roughshod and charging up the wild card standings. It's absolutely incredible what they're doing right now. Granted, you know they're they're doing against bad teams, but you got to beat the bad teams yep. if you're going to do this. If you're going to make a charge, you got to do it. Not only they won a series, they're sweeping guys. Like you know they swept they swept the Marlins four game series. Uh, they took five out of six from the Pirates who they played six out of the last nine games, swept the White Sox in between those two series. And, you know, they took two out of three versus the Padres, kind of like right around the deadline, right around when they got Marcus Stroman, just rejuvenate, just rejuvenate the whole entire franchise. And look at them now. Look at them now. What? Two yeah. And the, this... Two games out of the wild card. Yeah, I think this this the issue with this team has always been the health of the rotation because for the longest time we've always talked about the consensus in baseball is that this rotation, if everyone stayed healthy and lived up to the potential, this would be the nastiest rotation in all of baseball. Well, yeah. Thor, Thor is being Thor. Zach Wheeler looks looks like he's going to be the top paid free agent on the market this year. DeGrom is still doing DeGrom things. Steven Matz finally looks healthy, and now you add Marky Stroman into this mix. Uh, this is a scary rotation, guys, and they look like they are firing on all cylinders right now. And then a guy that not a lot of people talk about when it comes to production, especially from a rookie, Jeff McNeil yeah. came out of nowhere this year in terms of a guy that has supplanted himself into a starting role on that Nets lineup. Yes, everyone talked about Pete Alonzo and the dingers that he hits. I know Dre does, but Alonzo... <laughs> Alonso is not necessarily the most consistent hitter that could be someone that, y- you know, that will get you the productive hits and timely hits every now and then. Jeff McNeil's a guy that when he gets up to bat, almost guaranteed he's going to get a hit. And it, it's scary to look at how deadly of a hitter this guy is. So uh, bravo to the Mets, man. Like, they got hot at the right times. And it's exactly how Drake kind of said it. They're playing the bad teams right now. But the good teams are the ones that are able to beat 
bad teams consistently. That's how you accumulate those wins. That's how you get on runs like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, McNeil's just one of the guys that's kind of been contributing all year long. I mean, he's sitting three. 39 right now he's got 205 total bases 229 hits he's just one of those guys that kind of gets on base for him and then you have i mean like you guys said pete alonzo um the polar bear 37 home runs 83 rbis this year has just kind of been that consistent piece of the lineup that's just contributing on a nightly basis and it's just i think the the biggest thing for them is just they just got to be consistent um they were kind of they've been up and down all season long um and but when the the pitching staff is performing like it is um I, they're going to be very hard to beat um down the road i think like that i think but dre got a question for you yes are you going to stick to your rant are the mets dead uh i think they're sticking it to me if they're dead <laughs> <laughs> they are they're very well alive they're very well alive Granted, they got a big series this weekend versus the Nets. Uh, that'll be really that'll be the legit test to see how real this team is. I understand they're surging. Uh, they are one game out of the wild card as we speak, but you know, uh, like you said, with this pitching staff that they have, they can throw out five starters now if they're all healthy. Uh, they decided to hold on to center guard and they made the move to get Stroman to kind of just round out that rotation. Now, if they can close out games with Diaz because he's been atrocious this year. If they if he can figure it out, you can really shut down game you can really shut down the close games because you're not gonna win every game slugging the ball the way they are with guys like Pete Alonzo, uh Jeff McNeil, who by the way has an OPS. He is twelve points behind Pete Alonzo and you said Pete Alonzo is thirty seven homers. McNeil has half that, so that just shows how good of a hitter mm-hmm. he is. And to top that off, gotta give him his credit. He's actually leading the National League in batting average. Uh so you know he's not only he he's having a rookie of the year type season and for the Mets to get this production out of these two rookies to go along with veterans like Conforta who they've had high hopes for who is you know, uh, really kind of established himself as a legit major leaguer. Uh, you know, he's another guy that provides power for them, second on the team in homers with 25, uh, second on the team in RBIs with 64. These are the guys that have to consistently produce, and they're doing all of this while they took on this giant contract from Robinson Cano, who they expected to kind of, you know, uh, to help, Carry, carry, I don't want to say carry their offense, but they expect them to do a big part. And he's not really doing much, nope. if anything at all. Uh, so uh, for them to be where they are with this rotation that they have uh, and this production from these rookies, uh, honestly, this is a team I do not want to face, especially right now. And if I'm the Nats, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm worried. I'm worried. But if I'm a baseball fan, which I am, you're, I am very base, excited. You're a baseball fan. Yeah, I know shocker, right? I ain't, I ain't a big baseball I fan. I like, didn't know that. like Deke. Yeah, Deke. No one's, CEO no Deke one's a bigger is. baseball fan than Deke, guys. He's huge. No one, no one. He's but uh, I, I'm excited to see these two pitching staffs. I don't know how the, I don't know how the games line up yet, but I want to see Degrom versus Scherzer, and uh, I want to see center guard versus uh, Strasburg, and give me Corbin versus. Uh, Stroman, like I want to see, I want to see this. I might watch every single game this weekend if I get the chance. This is the series to watch. This is the team to watch from here on out because, like we said, they're surging and they're right in the thick of it right now. 
Malik, how do you how do you feel about Dre coming after your nationals right now? Well, you all kind of gave up on them early in the season, and right now they are proving being accurate with probably the three-headed monster that you got with Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. So we'll see how this weekend goes. <laughs> this is the Mets' first. This is the Mets' first real test against a contending team yeah. right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how well it goes. It will be it will be an interesting one to watch. But there have been a couple other teams, guys, around the league um, that have kind of been on streaks lately. And one of them that we talked about in our pre-production meeting was the Oakland Athletics. Um, although they're, they're still 10 games back in the AL West, they have been streaking. Um, they're a half game out of the wild card, five and a half games ahead of the Red Sox. Um, Malik, <laughs> what's been, what's been, what's been going on with the athletics? The, the athletics are exactly what we always expect them to be. Uh, they're a team that is kind of essentially built around guys that you may not heard of or may not be household names, but, uh, this happens almost every year where somehow they just go on a random tear and they may not win the division because the Astros are essentially the class of that division. But they are built by the blueprint that has got them to the playoffs over the last, so in, I want to say maybe three years, but it's a solid rotation. It's very good play from their two stalwarts in the lineup being Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, and they are exactly where they are in the thick of things of the AL wildcard race. And honestly, I would not be shocked if they finally make a run into the division round because I know the last time they got I believe the last time they were in the wildcard spot, they got pounded by the Yankees. I'm pretty sure about that. But yeah, I year. truly think, yeah, last year. So this is definitely a team to not sleep on. I think the problem with the A's is obviously the fact that they play in the same division as the Astros. The Astros are the class of that division, and they're going to run away, run away with it every year. But do not sleep on the athletics. This is a solidly built team that Billy Bean has put together for them. And Honestly, it's a solid rotation. That's always kind of been the issue or the MO with them is that they have a solid rotation, but once they get to the playoffs, it doesn't necessarily correlate to postseason success. But I think that this is a team to keep an eye on. 100%. It definitely definitely is. Go ahead, Dre. So I was looking at the schedule here for the Athletics coming up, and it's pretty soft. Uh, They play... in uh, Next week here in August, they got a four-gamer versus Houston. Uh, and uh, right after that, they and this is at home, and then after that, uh, the Yankees come into town. Then they'll go to New York at the end of the month, and they'll say they'll see Houston one time in September. Other than that, it is extremely soft, extremely soft. I mean, they get the Giants, they get the White Sox, they get the Royals, they get the Angels, they get the Tigers, you know, and it's just it's just lining up for them to go back to the playoffs, you know? And like Malik said, there's a team every year that does it with guys that have no names. And there's one guy specifically who was injured, which kind of worries me, but at the same time, he will definitely be back. And that's Ramon uh, Loreno, who's been a very pleasant surprise for them, manning down center field. Uh, Watching him this year defensively has been absolutely incredible. He's seemingly had a wed gem every single night, and he has a cannon of an arm. Uh, I remember... I think it was back in May, uh, he robbed a home run. And then for, uh, as he was coming down, just got up and fired at the first and hit a one hopper 
You know, and it is absolutely insane. He's not out there now, and they have Mars Canna out there, and that kind of scares me. But with him coming back, uh, that should help provide them the boost that they need to carry them into the playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely gonna be an interesting um, end of the season for the the Athletics, just to kind of see how that race pans out. But honestly, guys, just like the Athletics are streaking, the Astros are streaking too. I mean, they're nine and one in their past ten games. Like, how realistic is it if that the Athletics can can catch the Astros? It's like I well, said, the pre-production meeting. <laughs> Go ahead, Malik. I'm sorry. I just. It's, we have to point this out that the the athletics have been on a very solid streak for not just the past month, but I want to say maybe the past three. And the Astros struggled a little bit to start the year, but they've just been killing it ever since. And that's with Jose Altuve injured a good amount of time and Correa not having to carry the load and Springer being hurt for a little bit. Like this team still has a double digit lead in the division. It's right. It, as much as I would love to see the Athletics make a run of it, kind of like they did a few years ago when they caught the Rangers to win the division, it, it, it's not happening. Uh, yeah. Like I said in the pre-production meeting, it's not. It's not impossible because we've seen some crazy things happen. But it's no, highly. It's highly the, unlikely. And the Athletics have actually done it before. I mean, they caught the Rangers. A few years ago, this is when they had Josh Hamilton and that really stud offense that they worked around. And the Athletics did catch them. That it was something that they had. It was a September to remember for them. But I do not see it happening. This Astros team is just way too loaded with not just offense, but they have the pitching too to work. Yeah, especially it's gonna be really, really tough for. What was crazy about that run uh, was that. The Rangers led the division, I believe, for 160 games. Exactly. And then they, and then they lost it. They led from the second game of the season, the second to last game of the season, then they lost it on the last <laughs> game of the season. That's how things oh. play out. That's how things play out sometimes. Baseball. <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> um, all right, guys, any other teams that you kind of want to mention um, as you know the season carries on? Um, that you thought have been, you know, streaking, been hot, and could be contender? No, and shout out to the Indians, man. Uh, This is a club that I I am very high on the Minnesota Twins. I I think their lineup is the best power unit I have seen in a long time. The Indians have been holding holding their own ever since coming out of the All-Star break in Cleveland. The offense looks like it's back to where it needs to be to make a run to the wild card. I'm not going to say they'll pass the Twins, but keep an eye on the Indians moving forward the rest of the season. Man. I'm, I we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to somehow try and find the stat, but I'm pretty sure the Twins had a double digit lead going into June, and now it's two games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we wrapped up this division because the Twins just yeah. weren't gonna slow down. They had good starting pitching, and they hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball. I'm pretty sure right now to date, and here we are. In August, right in the middle of the dog days of summer, uh, more so the end, actually. And the Cleveland Indians are right here two games back. This is insane to me. And also considering the fact that they traded away their ace, Trevor Bauer. Uh, But again, it just shows how deep they are, especially with their pitching. Uh, They lost Corey Kluber for a long time because of that broken forearm, that liner. He took off the forearm Uh back in May. 
Still and, they lost Carl, yet. and they lost Carlos Carrasco to um, cancer to therapy. And they lost Mike Clevenger for two months. Yeah, he was on a sixty day D, uh, sixty day DL. Uh, and for them to be here right now is absolutely incredible. Uh, it shows their depth. It shows the good managing. Uh, shout out to Terry Francona, who, after looking at this, my opinion might be one of the favorites for manager of the year, especially if they can overtake the Twins and run away with this, run away with this division. My boy, Tito Francona. Always, always like Tito. Always like Tito. He's one of the best managers in the game. He's always up there. Um, but he's doing his thing with the Indians, guys. I mean, they're they're right there. Um, especially, like you guys said, after all the injuries they've suffered this year. I mean, I'm pretty sure we, we did hand um, the Twins the, the division at some point this season. Um, but we always – I feel like we always said that the Indians were going to be in the thick of things um, with the wild card. And here they are as the season comes to an end. Here comes, you know, closing is getting closer to the end, and they're right there. Yeah, it's an incredible run by them, uh, especially because this is a team, again, just flying under the radar the entire year. But again, you got to shout out that pitching staff because they're the ones that kind of held it together. Trevor Bauer, uh, he was awesome, but he was also inconsistent at times, uh, really helped carry them throughout. And then they trade him away, and guys like Bieber, guys like Zach Plesak, now that Clevenger's back. You know, that's a nice, formidable three-man rotation right there, and they're just kind of picking up right where, you know, they, they're just kind of picking up the load and help carry them along uh, as this team was built around. So uh, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised because of the strength of this team. We always said was going to be their starting pitching, and it's clearly showing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they've been fun to watch all year long. I mean, that that – uh, division in in general um, between the Twins and the Indians has been kind of fun to keep an eye on over the course of the season. You have Twins, twin the Twins doing something that I don't think anyone really really expected them to do, and then the Indians kind of you know got off to a slow start without Lindor in the lineup, and then they're they're kind of they're kind of um, streaking right now uh, as the season and quickly per, quickly approaches. Um, but while there while there are teams streaking, guys, there there's a bunch of teams around the league that aren't nat- aren't um, actually they're not in contention right now, but they could be in the future. Um, and we've kind of talked about a couple of them um, over the course of this season, and just how how exciting we are, how excited we are to see them. And you know, not maybe I mean we're excited to see them play this year, but even more excited to see them when they're when they're actually in contention a couple years down the line. One of the teams we we mentioned was the Toronto Blue Jays. So Dre, I'll kind of, I'll kind of, you know, hand this one off to you. But how, how excited are you to see this Blue Jays team kind of playing like they are right now? And what do you think they could do in the future? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I think that describes <laughs> it right there. This is, a, this, this, this is a team that from day one, day one, the talk was Vlad Guerrero Jr. and all these yeah. prospects, and we just talked about how Vlad, how him, you know, he kind of came out and kind of broke out of his shell uh, hitting 91 home runs in the home run derby. And they say that the derby, the myth, I, I don't know if we can call it a myth. I don't know if we can call it facts. It's plausible. I don't know. We should uh, call it Bobby Abreu syndrome. Yeah. They, they say that that happens. When you do the derby, you just kind of lo- you kind of just lose everything. <laughs> With Vlad Jr., it's been the opposite. Since the derby, he's been on an absolute tear, just smashing the ball. Uh, and he rose his average all the way up to 274 right now. And he's actually, you know, he's a war. He has a war of 1.6, which is pretty good right now for considering he got called up late May. Uh, between him and Garrell, uh, 
that team ha- was very fun to watch. But right now, the talk, the entire talk right now in recent memory is Boba Shett. Uh, he got called up right around the deadline. I believe it was the deadline day or the day after the deadline. And ever since then, he's been, uh, he's been on a tear as well. Uh, today, he just set the franchise record uh, for most consecutive games starting a career with a double. He has eight, and he's hit the double ever since. And he came up right now uh, in 44 bats. He's batting 409, uh, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, struck out 10 times, not. You know, that's not really, I don't want to say that's bad because it's really not considering he's only had 44 bats. So, you know, for a kid to come up and, you know, show a little bit of discipline there at the plate has been insane. But he's not striking out a lot because he's absolutely mashing the ball. Uh, again, I said he's batting to a 409. He has an OPS of uh, 1,254, which is astronomical. Again, very small sample size, but uh, for this kid to come up and absolutely add to the add to the future that they have uh regarding Vlad Guerrero Jr. is gonna be the star. Bobuchet who is, you know, trying to make a case for his own stardom. You have those two. You have Kevin Vigio, then you have Eric uh Lourdes Guerrero. Uh just the future looks bright for them. Uh I'm not really uh I'm not really uh too familiar with what else they have in the farm system because these were a lot of the guys that we were talking about. They're all up here right now, but mm-hmm. they're all up here. And outside of Kevin Biggio, they're all kind of holding their own. But I expect Biggio to kind of, you know, I don't, for him to hit the ground running uh, would be a lot to expect from him. But at the same time, he has a legacy being his dad as a Hall of Famer. Uh, Craig Biggio, one of the most fun hitters I've ever had a chance to watch. Uh, but you got to with rookies, you got to give them some time. So, uh, you know, if I'm a Blue Jays fan, I'm very excited with this young core that they have. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's, there's anything but, you know, to be excited after seeing kind of what they've been able to do this year and just thinking, you know, what these guys, what this core of young talent could do down the road, um, to kind of bring this Blue Jays team out of the ashes and, you know, back to being a contender in the AL East. Um, Malik, Malik. Malik, my man, the the genius minor league, the genius of the minor league. Who do you got? So uh, there's a lot of clubs this year that have really improved themselves when it comes to uh, acquiring talent. Uh, that has been a necessity for them to be able to actually, you know, sustain an organization and get back to prominence that we all think they are. Uh, obviously, there's some heavy hitters that you can look at uh, as guys that we are expecting big things from. The San Diego Padres are yeah. easily the biggest one. The, the the minor league system that they have is it's it's second to none. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't say enough great things about them. I mean, I look at the Dodgers and they they will have the continuous success that I know that they have because their system's amazing. Because from top to bottom, their front office is incredible. Uh, teams that have made some strides this year and rebuilt the the rebuilt their system Uh, i look at the marlins i look at the diamondbacks i look at those clubs and i see some bright things in among the horizon for them but the team that i will say that i'm very excited for it within the next year or two and the reason that i say them is because they have shown this year that they improved tremendously from their on-field product and compared to the last couple of years they have but they've also been able to get some excitement back to their fan base and it's something that we've seen consistently throughout the year. 
Guys, I'm talking about the Chicago White Sox. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> the Chicago White Sox for years have done a great job of accumulating as much talent as they possibly can. They have sold every single piece that they thought was reasonable to sell at the deadline. The biggest one being Chris Sale. And obviously yeah. the Red Sox are complaining about that because they won a World Series for oh, wait, it. Wait, so you're welcome wait, on that. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. What, what are the worlds what did they do? They won a World Series. That's nice. That's yeah, nice. yeah. So, but, but I will say about the Chicago White Sox is that with the amount of talent that they've accumulated, it's finally starting to show on the on-field product. Now, they're not ready to contend just yet. Uh, you can obviously tell they're in third place in the Central right now, and they're, I believe, 11 games under 500. So that's not necessarily a good thing to see. But what I will say about the White Sox is that you can tell from the early signs of the season that they were bringing people back to uh, U.S. Cellular Field or whatever the hell it's called. It's like, I can't remember. It's like American Insurance Field or something like that. It's, it's a dump of a field regardless. But... Comiskey Park for me. Always uh, will be. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get that crook's name in your mouth right now, okay? Sorry. I'm fear about that. But I look at the talent that this roster that this roster is right now. And there's a lot of young pieces on here that are something to behold. I mean, we look at Eloy Jimenez. Uh, we look at Yohan Mankata. You still have Jose Abreu, even though he could be a guy that maybe turns, maybe becomes the next trade ship. Uh, you look at rotation guys like uh, Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, who came up out of nowhere, who we always thought had the talent to be a good front of the rotation star, but has never been able to put it all together. And this is the year he's finally been able to do it. Uh, Michael Kopik, who is still recovering from injury right now, um, could eventually make some headways moving forward. But the main guy to look at is their number one prospect, who is going to be another stalwart in that outfield to go with Eloy Jimenez, and that's Luis Robert. Luis Robert is a guy that has five-tool potential that a lot, a lot, a lot of people amongst the inner baseball circle has said is going to be a stud coming up. And I think looking at this young talent on this roster growing together and learning how to play together and actually seeing the results of their hard work coming together by making an improvement in the win column and also bringing fans back to Chicago White Sox ballpark. And yes, I'm calling it that because I refuse to say the name of that cookbook owner. Uh, I am going to Sarah now. I think the future is very, very bright for the Chicago White Sox, and they are my team to look out for in the future. Does does yeah. uh, does does baseball in Chicago swing from the north side to the south side in the next couple of years? Well, I would say no. It's interesting you bring that up because the thing to look at with the Cubs, I I think the signs are there that they might see a downturn soon, if only because I think they they're gonna have to make decisions on who to pay. Yeah. And yes, you could argue that the Cubs have a big payroll, but there's also some signs of the rest of that club where I still say the bullpen's inconsistent. Yep. I think the rotation is a little bit overhyped. Yep. I mean, John Lester even came out yesterday and said that he's the weak link of that rotation, which is he, never a I good hope, thing. I to hope see. he retires. <laughs> yeah, John John Lester is is kind of not 
is a shell of himself. I don't. I don't. Want have, him, I don't want him to be one of those guys that like just yeah. continues to play and then their their like horrible. Their season. system has taken a huge hit in the last couple of years, but that's yep. what happens when you try to sell guys to be able to go for a World Series. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have the talent anymore to continue to compete and bring in more major league ready rosters. They're going to really have to do a good job of rebuilding that system to be able to keep that steady pipeline going. Yeah. Um, but I think with the issues with Addison Russell, I think when are we going to see Ben Zobris get out of his divorce issues? Uh, you know, um, it, it's tough for me to say. I mean, Wilson Contreras has had injury issues and might be gone for the rest of the year for all we know. I don't. I'm not ready to say it'll lean towards that way, but I think mm-hmm. the. I think moving forward, I would not be surprised if the pendulum does swing back to the White Sox. Uh, in terms, of, I'll I'll say this because I said no. In terms of the, in terms of the near future, uh, I'll say no. Uh, because a lot of these guys who we talk about for the White Sox, uh, they're not even there yet. And guys, you didn't talk about guys like Andrew Bond, who is their first baseman in the future. I believe they took him this year third overall. Uh, if I'm correct, I'm not entirely sure, but I know he was their first-round draft pick this past year. Uh, he's a guy that you expect to kind of help uh, to kind of help uh, w- with that future push that they're trying to make. Uh, Nick Madrigal is another guy, uh, second baseman. Yep. He's uh, he's basically like a clone of uh, Jose Altuve in terms of build. He's five seven, one sixty five, which. You know, he's their second baseman. He's he's the guy that's going to man it down. But a lot of these guys are still very young, whereas the Cubs, you know, they're in contention right now. Uh, and the Cubs have a big payroll. And, uh, yes, they got to make some decisions on who to pay. Uh, Javi Baez got to get paid. He's going to get a contract soon. Uh, Chris Bryant's another guy who they can't afford to lose. And like Malik said, uh, their farm system is very bare, so these are guys that they're going to have to keep. I believe Anthony Rizzo is locked down already, but uh, the whole key regarding this piece, and it's no disrespect to Rick Hahn, he's just no Theo Epstein. Uh, Theo Epstein is a guy who can mastermind and manipulate things in order to formulate this roster. They have a very good scouting department. They have a very good eye for major league talent. The problem is, is that they can't trade for anybody uh, simply because of the fact that the, a lot of their Assets are major leaguers already. A guy like Kyle Schwarber, who right now they're playing in left, who a lot of people, including all of us, I will speak for all of us when I say Kyle Schwarber is eventually going to end up in the American League as a DH. It's just how it's going to be. Yeah, Yeah, just how it's going to have to be with his career. And I think if anybody realizes that, it's Theo. You might even see those moves happen as soon as this year. Uh, a A lot of the, they have a very deep major league team, though. Uh, again, uh, the guy we're not talking about uh, who can kind of slide and play everywhere is uh, Ian Happ, you know, and he's a young guy. Uh, and he's you know, been hiding think, in AAA for the longest part of the yeah, year. Yeah, and he's a, he's, he's a guy that I think is a legitimate major leaguer. So, you know, they could slide him in there. Uh, I think the Hayward contract kind of kills them as mm-hmm. far as uh, being cap-strapped. Uh, but I think if anybody could manipulate that and get out of it, it can be Theo Epstein. So I think the, the nearest our contract hurts them too. Yeah. And like if he retires, like uh, Max says or wishes, then they'll be okay there. But uh, in terms of the near future, I see the Cubs now five, seven years down the road. It's, 
it's going to be a whole different ball game, and that's going to be because a lot of these guys that we've said uh, that are right now uh, growing for the White Sox, I expect them fully to grow. Guys like Eloy Jimenez, who's going to be a stud. Uh, Luis Robert uh, Robert is going to be another stud. Uh, and uh, one of the pieces from the uh, Red Sox trade, I can't really think. His name is escaping me. He was this, he was the main piece, uh, not Kopech, but the other guy. Moncada. Moncada. Yes. Yon Moncada. Thank you, guys. Uh, there's pieces there. You expect all these guys to kind of, you know, take those next step. They just need to get seasoned. So maybe five years from now, it could swing. But just near future, I'm I'm leaning Cubs. All right. Well, guys, we that is all the time we have for today. Um, but we do want to give Dre a few minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes, Dre. Um, and whatever you gotta, you gotta time this man. <laughs> whatever Dre doesn't get off of his chest, um, you guys will have to tune in to the live show at Scratch tomorrow night on Two Beers Deep. Malik will plug it um, after Dre gets done ranting. But Dre, you got two minutes starting now. Oh, you want me to rant? Oh yeah. man, you got uh, you got two minutes, guys. Guys, this rant is specifically because we were talking streaks today. One of the most recent streaks and one of the most heartbreaking streaks in recent memory is this downfall of mine and Mallet's beloved Pittsburgh Pirates. Here's a team that had a lot of high hopes. And right now, just after the All-Star break, have went completely south. It is embarrassing. It is frustrating. And everything that the franchise has said, uh, from Neil Huntington to Clint Hurl, no one just seems to be in it. Uh, and every outside fan points to Bob Nuggets. He's not spending money. It's it's a complete disaster right now. It's an absolute atrocity. And as a diehard Pirates fan, I never thought I'd be in this position, but I got to tell you guys right now, it is embarrassing. And I've never been more embarrassed in my life to be a Pirates fan. Right. There's going to be more. I'm going to cut it right sure. there. I'm going to cut it right uh, there. <laughs> if you want to just getting started. <laughs> exactly. If you want to hear the rest Catch of me tomorrow, <laughs> if you want to hear the rest of Dre's rant, Malik, plug it, plug the show. All right, my channel's plugged for the week, boys. Uh, I will not be present at this because uh, I will be in St. Louis with my dad and my brother. Uh, I'll be get to finally see Bush Stadium in person, which I'm excited for. But tune in tomorrow if you're listening to this on Thursday. Tune in tonight on Facebook Live on the thought on the Thoughts from the Benches Facebook page. Tune in to Two Beers Deep Live from Scratch Food and Beverage up in Troy Hill. If you are in the neighborhood, please come to Troy Hill and see Deke and all the fellow members of the bench pick up my slack while I am out and about uh, to come out for some drinks, come up for some very good wings, and uh, talk some sports with us. They're going to be there from 6 to 8, and uh, it'll be a fun time. It usually is a very fun time. Dre, Dre's going to get white clawed while he's there, so it'll be entertaining. I, I was I was at the last one, guys, and Dre got white clawed, and it was, it was fun. We had a, we had a good yeah. time. We always do. I think we were there until like 11:30 last time and just drinking having fun talking to people um so if you want to come on out come out and join us at scratch beverage tomorrow night and hear the rest of dre's rant because i know if you, any of you know dre you know it's going to be funny um but dre shameless plug uh shameless plug goes to uh unfortunately Malik, who's not going to be there i'm also going to say that b and mac will two-thirds of hodo will have our own airtime tomorrow uh, hey. on two beers deep. So catch us there. Uh, again, good sports talk, but, uh, my real shameless plug, 
uh, goes out to the actual start of football season. We have the first preseason game for the Steelers starting Friday. I am very excited. Half of this excitement is because the Pirates stink. So I have to tune in to preseason football to kind of take my mind off of it. But it's football season. It's fantasy football season. And it starts tomorrow night, Thursday, after two beers deep. But the Steelers game is Friday, and I am very excited. The, se- the football season cannot kick off soon enough. It really can't. That's my shameless plug. You done? I'm done. Uh, my shameless plug, guys. Uh, as some of you may know, I am also a reporter at Trib, the Tribune Review, um, in Pittsburgh here, covering high school sports. Um, this past week, I had the opportunity to talk to MLB's number 16-rated prospect and Plum alumni Alex Kirloff. Um, he's down in Double A right now, um, and I got to talk to him about a couple uh, injuries that he's gone through in, over the course of the over the course of his career, kind of how he's battled with them, um, kind of how he's stayed focused on his goal of reaching the MLB. And I've also got to talk to him a little bit about how he's um, starting to play a little bit at first base to kind of expand um, his position flexibility so that he can kind of climb through the ranks of the Twins organizations organization a little faster. Um, so check it out. It's on Trib Live uh, under the local sports um, content. Um, so check it out. Give it a read. Let me know what you think. Um, it was uh, definitely a fun, a fun story to tell. Um, but, guys, that is all we have time for tonight. Thank you for joining us for Episode 23 of Heart of the Order, the Michael Jordan episode number 23. Um, we'll be back next week with more baseball talk, funny stories. Hopefully Malik will you know, have some, some funny stories from vacation to tell us. Um, but until then, thanks for joining us, guys. Do you guys want to say goodnight? Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. And I can't sleep. I got a pack. <laughs> night, guys. Again, Scratch Beverage tomorrow night, or tonight, actually. Um, so if you're listening to this on Thursday, come join us at Scratch Beverage up in Troy Hill. We'll be there drinking beers, talking sports, and having fun. Thanks.